welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. All right, friends. Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. Isn't that Shakespeare? Anybody? I don't know. Uh, Hello, welcome again to Awaken. My name is Dan. It is good to be here. Uh, My job, what I get to do, the stuff I get to do is I'm the church planter in residence, which means, uh, maybe you don't know this, uh, we're planting a church. Uh, Awaken's getting ready to plant a church, and uh, about May will be kind of my last chunk here, 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 and then we'll go out somewhere in the St. Paul area, probably north and east of here, and plant a church. So that's exciting. I'm excited. What's interesting is uh, how, uh, how much work it is. <laughs> right? Like from the cheap seats, you're like, man, that looks easy. What do you got to do? Have coffee with people? And like, yeah, but you got to remember everybody's names. Uh, this mor- I won't tell you who, but I got a name wrong this morning. And that was really embarrassing for me. Yeah, he just left. He's the sound guy, so I'm probably toast. Uh, But hey, you can catch the podcast. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so that's exciting. It's good to be here. Uh, Let me, one of the things, uh, this is a great segue. Uh, One of the things I love, I love the church calendar. And I love the church calendar, which is Advent, Christmas, Epiphany, uh, Lent, Eastertide, uh, you know, then you get uh, Ascension, Pentecost in there. One of the reasons I love the church calendar, we're in an old sacred, everything okay? All right, I heard, heard that in a cry. Um, one of the reasons I love that is that it helps us to reorient our lives around the story of Jesus instead of the story of our culture, right? And so instead of marking time by the Super Bowl or Valentine's Day or... Insert, you know, uh, whatever you want. It, it allows us to remember who we are on like a yearly basis as we remember the story of Jesus. Next Wednesday, three days from now, Lent begins. And Lent is not just a time for us to stop eating meat uh, and begin eating fish fillets on Fridays. It's not just the time of the year when McDonald's brings back the fish fillet special. It is that time. But more than that, it's a season of preparation so that we don't show up Easter morning not having done the work to get ready to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Because you can't celebrate the resurrection if you haven't walked the path to the cross. And so that's what Lent's there. It's there for us to remember that story, to remember what it took to get to Easter morning. And so... Uh, we are having Lent services here on Wednesday nights. So 5.30, we'll gather together downstairs and we'll eat some food. And then we'll come up here about 6.30 and we'll sing, we'll pray, and we'll remember the story of what it means to be people who follow both the crucified and the resurrected Messiah, Jesus. That starts Wednesday. So uh, would love... Uh, it would be good to see you. It would be good to, to do that together with you. So please uh, come back and and eat some food, and, uh, and, and pray, and, and sing, and remember with us. This is our last week in our Joseph series, and if you just take a minute and kind of look around the space, we've got some Hebrew words uh, there, and what we've been doing is we've been looking at the story of Joseph, and sort of 
through the lens of, uh, of a few words to help us understand who he was and what God did through him. And so this is our last week. And Joseph uh, and his amazing Technicolor dream coat is one of my absolute favorite stories in scripture. Um, I can sing every word of it. Um, I really can. I had a cassette tape that I used to put on every, uh, every night when I would go to bed, like sixth, seventh grade. Uh, it's also worth noting that I can also sing most of the songs from Beauty and the Beast and Little Mermaid. So, you know, there's that. Um, and I found, I discovered Joseph because my kids' choir, we almost got to be the, one of the choirs when, uh, when it was here in like 92. So Donny Osmond was Joseph when, uh, when he was here, right? Like, we were almost the choir, and we weren't because two guys, two total, mm, uh, got into a pushing match. Uh, it was a guy named Nick and this other guy named Dan. And <laughs> I kid you not, uh, we got into a little, there was no blood, but, you know, you can't have, could you imagine that, like, the full show's going, and all of a sudden, two kids in the choir start shoving each other? Can't have them, they're out. So, you know, my, uh, our consolation prize was a leather bookmark, and we got to go see Joseph free once. But I've loved the story of Joseph since I can remember it has soaked my imagination. I thought about it a lot. And, uh, and I th- weep. Let suffering break your heart. But don't give up. Hold on. Love your enemies. It's this really difficult story. It's a story of betrayal, of, of, of repeated pain and injustice, where no matter how right you do something, you just can't seem to get things to turn in your favor. It's this really, really difficult story. And I think it's a story we need. I think it's a story particularly American Christians need because we are really confused people when it comes to suffering when it comes to difficulty and we immediately and I don't know why but we jump from something bad happened to I did something wrong in this this story this beautiful painful story It paints a picture for us and reminds us that God can bring good from evil, life from death. It's a story we need. Um, My Hebrew word, the word I have for today is, I'm going to say it wrong, so if you know Hebrew, sorry. Uh, It's Nassah. And you could... It's used like 600 times in the Old Testament. It's used a bunch. And it can mean everything from suffering to carrying something to bearing a burden. And Joseph has this way of nasaying. Can't put an I-N-G on a Hebrew word, but I just did it. He has a way of carrying his, his pain, his difficulty, 
in a way that I, I just, that, that just causes me wonder. Because he carries it in a way where at the end of the story, he is a generous, gracious, kind person. And that's what I want. I want to learn how to be the type of person who lives that way. Where bad things don't make me bitter, they make me better. It's a horrible cliche, but it's true. What would it look like? Weep. Let suffering break your heart. Don't give up. Carry on. Love your enemies. The story of Joseph is... um, (laughs) It would have been perfect for Jerry Springer. Remember Jerry Springer? Right? Joseph had a favorite son by his favorite wife, which means he had more than one at the same time. And you don't do favorite sons or daughters or kids. That's a bad, bad idea. It's a horrible idea. Bad, bad dad, Jacob, bad dad. But it's not completely Jacob's fault because Jacob comes from a long line of fantastically articulate family dysfunction. You read the story of Genesis, and guess what? You should feel great about whatever your family circumstances are. It's all good, man, compared to Jacob and his sons, or compared to Isaac, Jacob's dad, who Jacob ripped the birthright from his older brother by getting dressed up in a costume and conning his dad with his mom's help. Holy buckets, what happened? But how did we get there? Well, Isaac's dad and mom, Abraham and Sarah, had some problems as well. Hagar, Ishmael, right? Family drama is the story of Genesis. It's the story of God somehow making his work happen through a bunch of schmucks. So we're all right. We're in good company. It goes all the way back to the story of the first brothers, Cain and Abel, where the older brother Cain kills his younger brother because he's jealous That murder reverberates throughout the entire story of what happens in Genesis. That's the story we find ourselves looking at today. Joseph is a snotty little brother who has dreams or delusions of grandeur, depending on who you ask. He even thought he would be over his father, not just his brothers. He wasn't just telling his brothers, I'm going to be in charge, he was older brothers. He was telling his dad he was going to be in charge. And that's when all the trouble happened. When he shared his dreams, a series of unfortunate, horrible events took place that somehow led Joseph to being second in command in Egypt. So I want to look at this story, but I want to look at it through the lens of what does Joseph show us about how we can suffer well? But not just make it through the suffering, but as we suffer through it, somehow be able to say honestly and with authenticity, what you meant for evil, God has used for good. I'd like to invite you, if you're able, to stand up as we read from Genesis 50 to be, uh, together. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father, Jacob, was dead, they said, 
What if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they send word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Understatement of the year. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, do not be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. Amen. You can go ahead and grab a seat. What you meant for evil, God meant for good. You're scared. I will forgive you. I will care for your children. And as Joseph says these words, I have this picture I see. And I see God almost like at the beginning hovering over the situation. He's seeing this happen. And he's there and he's watching it unfold. And as Joseph says these words, as he says, I will forgive you. I will take care of you. I will care for your children. As he speaks kind to them, I hear God saying the same words he said at the beginning. It is good. It is good. It's a good ending for Jacob's family and the whole line of Adam and Eve's children. In Joseph's gracious, generous response to suffering and difficulty, God restores many things. My question is how? How did Joseph get there? Weep. Let suffering break your heart. But don't give up. Carry on. Love your enemies. What do you do when somebody hurts you? Or maybe worse, hurt somebody that you love. Maybe they tell a lie. Maybe they throw a stone. Maybe they throw a punch. Or maybe they just don't see you. What do you do? And I don't mean like theoretically what would you do, you know, if somebody ever did wrong to you. I mean actually, what do you do when someone does something bad to you? What are you doing right now? Maybe you got a problem at work. Maybe you got a problem in your neighborhood. I got neighbors that got problems. Let me just tell you. And I'm learning how to love them. And it is, they are loud and their cars are loud. Cars are really loud. And they're still really loud. And, ah. I don't actually take out a notebook and make notes on the people that wrong me. But I like keep mental tabs. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about, right? I'm not the only one. And I don't like actually do anything bad to you. 
I just theoretically do bad things to you. It's cool. Sometimes I close my heart because it's easier to not feel anything than to feel pain. Sometimes I just push people away because it's safer when you're not around me. Or sometimes I do, uh, it's like the typical male response to everything. I get angry. Right? It's like that first emotion you feel that you have to like push through to get to anything else. Imagine revenge. We don't see Joseph do any of these things. We don't even see Joseph defend himself. There are no why me moments in the story of Joseph. They don't tell us that he yells up from the pit, I'm sorry, I won't do it again. None of that. And when Joseph comes to power, second only to Pharaoh, he doesn't grab his chariots and drive out to his brother's homes and surround them and have some fun with them. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I imagine Joseph hopping in some gold chariots with like his 50 best riders, pulling up to like the, the, the family home and surrounding them with spears and not doing anything, just having some fun with the guys. Just a little payback. Show them that I was right, that I was going to be in charge. Joseph doesn't do any of these things. What we see Joseph do over and over and over again in his story is we see Joseph weep. He lets the stuff that hurts him hurt him. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants, and he cried out, Have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly, all the Egyptians heard him. And Pharaoh's household heard it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Joseph weeps. He lets suffering break his heart. It's the first thing that his life shows us. Now this doesn't mean that Joseph lives like a victim. Uh, because through his tears and with a broken heart, we don't see Joseph a huddled mass in the corner of the story. Yeah, bad stuff keeps happening to him, but Joseph is showing up every place he finds himself. If the first thing he teaches us is to weep and let suffering break his heart, the second is we should don't give up. We need to keep going carry on. Now how do we know Joseph doesn't give up? The scripture actually never says and Joseph never gave up. Verse 32 of Genesis whatever. That's not what it does. But what it does is it shows us over and over and over and over again in the story that he is there. Every time he gets knocked down he stands back up again. How do we know he carries on? Because he is still standing at the end of the story. He's there at the end. Thrown in a pit by his brothers. He allows them to pull him up. Would you let them pull you up? Stay away from me. After they pull him up, they sell him into slavery. And he ends up in a, 
a ruler, a guy named Potiphar's house in Egypt. Now, what would you do if that was your story? Would you distinguish yourself as the best servant in the house? I wouldn't. I would act like I acted two weeks ago when my wife told me we were having chore day on Saturday. And I was like, but I want to eat my cereal and watch Star Wars Rebels. That's what I had planned for the morning. 35 minutes of chores. That's just too much. Too much, honey. Life is hard. Church planting thing's really difficult. You know? Nope. Joseph doesn't do that. He distinguishes himself as the best in his master's house. He does too good of a job because guess who notices him? His master's wife. That's not a good thing. When that happens, you got problems. Now, Joseph doesn't do anything wrong. But that's never stopped bad things from happening to Joseph before, has it? Now, you might say to me, he was a snotty little brat when he told his brothers he was going to rule over him. Yep, but guess what? That's what little brothers do. That's just normal. I didn't sell my brother. Want to do? Hit him in the head with a hammer. That was close to selling him. Uh, it had never, in Joseph's story, being blameless never kept evil from him in the past. So again, he finds himself in a pit. This time it's a jail. And what does he do? He distinguishes himself as first among all of those who are in prison. He's in charge of them. This guy's got class. And in jail, something amazing starts to happen again. Remember the thing that got Joseph in trouble in the first place, the dreams? The dreams start happening again in prison. Except this time, Joseph's not having dreams. He's interpreting them. And here's what we need to just notice about dreams. Dreams are the universal thing, language, thing we do when we haven't given up hope. When you dream, you're hoping for something better, something different. And for Joseph, dreams have always been the thing that's connected him to God. So in prison, for the second time, Joseph is encountering his God again. What would it be like in our, diff our, our most difficult moments, the moments of suffering and brokenness, where for the second time, something we didn't deserve happened to us? would it be like if we had the imagination to weep, to let it break our heart, to bust us up, but to not quit, to keep going? What would our interior, mental, emotional lives be like if that's what we did? What about our homes? What about our neighborhoods, our jobs? How could it be different if we suffered, if we carried our difficulty like Joseph? Weep, let suffering break your heart, but don't give up, carry on, love your enemies. 
I don't think Joseph's brothers ever really trusted that, they, that he had forgiven them. I just don't, I don't think that's how it was working for them. They're living in Egypt under their little brother's thumb, a guy they had done much wrong to not that long ago, and they're just waiting for the hammer to fall. Wouldn't you? That's how I feel. My brother, by the way, my younger brother is now bigger than me. So the hammer falls every time anything, you know, we like wrestle. And I'm like, I'm just kidding, bro. <laughs> All that stuff I did to you when you were little. I, I wait for payback from him. That's what happens. And they're waiting for it. And so when their dad, old Jacob, having lived a full life, when he dies, they're expecting some version of the sibling death look. You know what the sibling death look is, right? Like your little brother or sister is kicking you under the table. And you know that if you react, you're going to get in trouble because you're the, you know, you're supposed to be better than that. So when mom or dad or grandma or aunt or whomever is looking away for a second, you go like this. And they're not looking later. You're going down. It's that moment when you're like, when they leave and they can't hear you scream, guess what you're going to do? I'm going to get you. That's what they're waiting for. That's what they're expecting. And so when, when this happens, when their father dies and their last hedge of protection is mowed down, they expect Joseph to strike. And you have to remember, Joseph is absolutely 100% in charge. He could have done whatever he wanted and nobody would have batted an eye. He could have killed them all on the spot. And I wonder, I think I don't think I'd be shedding tears. I think I'd be shedding blood. What would it look like if we carried suffering like Joseph? The third way that Joseph teaches us to carry our difficulties is that we must be people who forgive, not seek revenge, and love our enemies. That's what Joseph does. That's what he actually does. Joseph loves his enemies who are also what? His brothers. The ones that made him suffer. And at the very moment of truth, when his brothers say this to him, they say, Dad said don't hurt us when he's gone. What is Joseph's response? He weeps. His heart breaks again. And he says to his brothers, and we read this, don't be afraid. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. I will provide for you and your children, speaking kindly to them. Weep. Let suffering break your heart, but don't give up. Carry on. Love your enemies. This is the way that Joseph teaches us and shows us to carry our suffering. And friends, the story of Joseph is a story of crucifixion and resurrection. God brings good in Joseph's life through suffering. And that he does that, that we can see this story, that we can read it, see what happens at the beginning. And how it all resolves at the end 
It means that we can have the imagination. We can put ourselves in that story and we can pick a new lens, a new way to see our lives. And somehow, Joseph, living thousands of years before Jesus, he is found practicing the way of the Messiah, the crucified and resurrected Jesus. I'm going to read some words from Jesus that he said. They're going to be really familiar. You've heard, you've heard these a thousand times. But I wonder if they shimmer for you differently this morning. Through the story of Joseph's life. Jesus said, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from the one who takes away your coat, do not withhold your shirt either. hear it? The brothers took Joseph's coat. But instead, love your enemies and do good. And lend expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be children of the Most High. For God is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Do you see it? Can you smell it? It smells like Jesus in Joseph's story. A father sends a son. To see after the welfare of his brothers. The brothers do the sent son evil. They harm him. They throw him in a pit. A grave. The suffering the sent son experiences at the hands of his brothers, it leads to saving for the entire family. For all of them. And the son the father sent carries his brother's sins. He bears their burden. He forgives them and takes care of them and their children. 
Joseph's story hints towards the story of Jesus. What could it be like? What would our lives, what would our world be like if we learned how to carry our suffering well? Could we see God doing good in places that just look like tombs, like pits? Take a moment as we reflect uh, and listen. Continue listening for God's spirit to speak to us and be silent and be still. Amen. Amen. Friends, I invite you to hold your hands out in a posture of receiving as we send you out with a reminder of how God has blessed you and how you can go. May God give you eyes to see all that's good, even if it's buried in a pit. May he give you ears to hear his loving voice whisper and invite you to let suffering break your heart and to weep. And may he give you courage to love, to actually love your enemy. Amen. Amen. Grace and peace, friends. Find us online at www.awakencommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash community or on Twitter, Awakening Community. See you next time.